If you're not sexually attracted to me, why are you with me? Like I said, yes, our relationship built not on the physical. It's more like soul, like hurt, like something different vibes. Uh, when we're talking about the physically, I need a little uh, time with you okay. in nice, yes? And then I feel some, my main energy coming up and looking, who is that woman there? Okay. Okay. I understand. I like to listen to music and on After I have a hit of my thought of my thought of my thought I like to listen to music and on After I have a hit of my thought of my thought of my I like to listen to sick and on After I have a hit of my bong bong If I need to write a song But it didn't take me very long Well, now's the end Uh, yeah Oh, Adam and Eve Eve.com Yeah I like to listen to sick and on After I have a hit of my bong of my bong of my bong I like to listen to sick and on After I have a hit of my bong of my bong of my bong Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. Kate Rambo, yes. I am surprised that you had time to record the show in between episodes of 90 Day Fiance. I am absolutely shocked that I am sat here right now because I would much rather be watching 90 Day Fiance. You're obsessed with that show. I love it. I just think it's like, I feel like I could write a dissertation about the mathematics behind why it's the most perfect reality television show of all time. Like they finally cracked the formula. It's taken them 20 odd years, but they've finally done it. My God, they've done it, D. Well, you feel it's like the epitome of reality TV. There is nothing better and they can never top this show. It's but, amazing. But I mean, what are you comparing it to? Like All Mil- the other. Like MILF Manor. My Strange Addiction, Wife Swap. All of them. I'm comparing it to all of them. And I would like to call myself a connoisseur of trash telly. I was raised on trash television. I love trash telly. So I like, I know my trash telly. And this is just the best. Well, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what, what's the draw? Like, is it just because you're, it's a whole season and you're enmeshed in these different couples lives? Like, if yes. it was just one couple, would you no. be bored with it? Yeah, it has to be like you get a small sample of all these absolute. And what I like now is they're getting a lot more weirdos on. They are getting wackadoo people. Whereas before it was kind of like normal people who had met. Like there were a few seasons where it's like it's full of majority boring people who you're like, oh, you can see why you two like each other. Well, there's usually a couple like freakish couples and then some boring couples. But just for people who don't know what the show's about, 90 Day Fiance... It's about couples like either uh, someone from the U.S., mostly I guess it's someone from the U.S. Yeah. who meets a foreign person and they, they get a K-1 visa, which is a 90-day fiancé visa, where they can come here for 90 days to the U.S. and they have to get married in that 90 days or, that, or they have to return back to their, uh, their home country. Yeah, we nearly did it. And in fact, we also applied to go on 90 Day Fiancé. Yeah, my uh, my sister, um, her best friend, Sarah, was trying to get us to, to be on the show. And she actually applied for us, sent an application. But, you know, I don't know. First of all, there's a couple of reasons why I didn't want to do it. One, they don't even pay the visa fees. No, and like, well, and I applied as well. And when they applied, they were like, do you have any problems with your family? And like they were asking questions like, do you have a like, you know, a mother who might stick her nose in it? And I was like, no, 
No. We would be the couple where we're just kind of boring and you know that we would work out compared to the other couples who are absolutely wackadoo crazy. And we would have only been in like two or three episodes or something. Yeah. We wouldn't have been in the every episode of the season. And that's what I was reading. Like the uh, So TLC doesn't financially compensate the foreigners who move to the U.S. Not so at all. all of that, you're paying for yourself. So you're paying for the visa. You're paying for everything. You're paying for the flights. And what they do is they pay around a thousand dollars, maybe one and a half grand per episode. Okay, so that's your fee. That's so, okay. Yeah, you're getting, and then you get two and a half thousand dollars for the tell-all episodes at the end. Oh, see, that's okay. It's like a little bit of like folding cash, isn't it? So I was reading on Reddit. Season eight had nineteen episodes. So if you do the math, it's thousand dollars for yeah, nineteen episodes, or a thousand dollars for seventeen episodes, seventeen regular season episodes. That's seventeen thousand dollars. Plus an additional $5,000 for the two tell-all episodes. Okay, that's pretty so, good. So, yeah, I mean, you're making around low-end $22,000 for the so, entire season. I imagine some of the idiots will blow it on an actual big wedding at the end. Whereas I'd be like, I've got twenty grand. Like I'm well, going on holiday. Some of them, um, you know, can turn it. Now, now they get all the notoriety. They can turn it into a career. They can do other things. Like uh, what was that? The Ukrainian woman, uh, Yana, Yana and Jovi. Yara, Yara. Yeah, Jovi. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. She be, she started her own makeup line. Or I know she's got it. like over a million followers on yeah. Instagram. So. There's 10 seasons of this show. Like, they're currently on their 10th season. The best. And Kay Rambo is obsessed with this new season. Like, you were, you were looking online to find out when the new episodes come out. I know, because we've caught up to all the episodes. Yeah, I had to day. subscribe to TLC. I'm paying for this. Thank you. For you to be able to watch this show. So, who's your favorite couple on, on this season and why? Well, I mean, there's a lot of craziness. There's obviously Rob the Knob and Sophie. I hate Rob. And um, I can't wait for Sophie to dump him. Which guy is that? Is that the... He's oh, the man child. That in, but oh that's the guy God, that lives yeah, in a studio yes. in Englewood yeah. that doesn't have a toilet. And then he berates her because she's like, babe, can we move to an apartment that hasn't a toilet? And he's like, you've got to learn to be humble. It's like, you, fuck off, mate. So that one's kind of hilarious because this girl is... They met on Instagram. She's like an, an, a posh it's, Instagram model just that's like, like lived around the world. And she's lived in like her her uh, apartment, her flat in London was oh had like a balcony, and it was like in some posh neighborhood. And she moves to Inglewood, which is not a great area. She moves to the bad side of Inglewood. Yeah, as well. like the shitty side of Inglewood, not living in a side. studio apartment that doesn't even have a toilet. Like she's got to go walk outside and use a shared bathroom. And he's acting like that's okay, and she should be humbled by it. I'd be like, <laughs> fuck you, mate. Like. <laughs> We need, it's not the 1800s. We don't have outhouses anymore. What about the other woman who's from Panama? Oh, Yasmin and Gina. Right, Yasmin and Gina are actually my favorite couple. Oh, this is becoming like a reality talk show. It's like a tell-all, yeah. Are actually my favorite couple. I think she is balls-to-the-wall mental, but they really suit each other. And I actually think out of, there's two couples in this show who I think will actually go the distance, and they're one of them. Is, and so that's the guy from Michigan, right? Yes, and I thought he was foreign to begin with, but no, he's just a weirdo from Michigan. So I haven't been obsessively watching this, but being that we live in a one-bedroom apartment and when it's on, I'll sit there We and live like, in a one-bedroom <laughs> studio in it. Yeah, in at least I have a bathroom in here. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, while it's on, you know, I'll just kind of pay attention to some of the funny moments. And that's the one thing I've, I got to say about that show. It's edited very well. It's a pinnacle. It draws you in. It's yeah, so good. The way it's edited. But this, so this was hilarious because this, this woman lives in Panama 
And she's got all this plastic surgery, like big, massive titties and like her lips and her face and everything. And she meets this schlub in Michigan, this like mid 50s, just a Michigan schlub. Totally nondescript. Nothing even like really interesting about the guy. That's true. There's nothing yeah. I could be like, this is his hobbies or anything. It's so anyway, this dude has been sending her money in Panama for her family and for everything. And also for the wedding dress. The wedding dress that he, she's supposed to buy. So he's given her thousands of dollars for this wedding dress. And what does she do? She takes the money and she buys ass implants. She's iconic. <laughs> I love Jasmine. And the reveal, I'm not going to ruin it if people watch the show, but the reveal when she tells a guy that, that she has ass implants with the money she spent on his, on the, that he gave her for the wedding dress, he gets really butthurt. Oh my God, he does. There's a lot of man children in a 90 Day Fiance, but obviously the, I, there's an iconic couple from this series and that's Nikki and Justin. Yeah, <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, have I taken gummies and laugh cried till I can't look at Nikki anymore? Absolutely, I have. Well, so <laughs> I actually did a little digging into this. So Nikki is a transsexual woman who is sort of financing this boy toy in Moldova. Moldova, Moldova, Russia. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's like a personal trainer. He's younger than her. He's very funny. I like him. I think he's really funny, and he has a great sense of humor. But she, like, they just aren't gonna go well together. I don't know what is happening. Well, I think it's it's pretty clear what's happening. She has money. He's giving her. She's giving him money to pay for his apartment, to pay for his car, to pay for whatever it is that he he's buying over there. And I think he's sort of like leading her on, thinking like, oh, they're going to be in an actual relationship, which will never happen. No. And so he finds out that she's trans, and then that causes all these issues. But if you look at this, uh, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, demean her by calling her a creature, but she's a plastic surgery disaster. <laughs> you know what she looks like? So imagine Jeffree Star, but imagine if Jeffree Star was more of a monster. Which and that's looks what like she looks like. Anorexic Joan Rivers with <laughs> ass implants. Like she, because she looks like she looks like she's older. I mean, she's only probably my age, maybe late late forties. She is your age, yeah, forty. Yeah, yeah late forties. Just a number, but baby. the plastic surgery on her face. She had plastic surgery to change her fucking eye color. I know that's mental to me. That it's mental. That. But so her name online, I think this is where she gets her money from. Is she's like a performer? She was in the first like transgender, I guess glam band or something i don't know oh, awesome. yeah she was in like a transgender rock band or something she goes by nikki exotica so here's a couple of her songs oh, yeah this one's called secret girl I wonder what the secret is, that she used to have a dick. (laughs) (laughs) That is, can I just say, that's exactly how I imagined her music to be. And it's just like, remember when Paris Hilton released her song? It's exactly like that. It's exactly like Paris Hilton. But somehow she's made enough money to be able to pay for this Russian guy, also to get eye surgery, like change the color of her eyes. She's had over a million dollars worth of plastic surgery to make her look like a Barbie doll. Well, I mean, a Barbie doll that somebody put in the microwave. (laughs) 
<laughs> and belted. Yeah, here's her song, Man Whore. Oh, amazing. Yeah, another another classic. I think she said humping, but in the in the picture on the, the YouTube video, it just shows one guy that has man written across his bare chest, and the other guy has whore, whore. written across his. Chest. You know who that song's about, <laughs> don't you? That song is totally about I got slash Justin in Moldova. Oh yeah, that's the other part about it too. His real name is Igor, but she didn't like. But that. she doesn't want to go. She's like, that's like Frankenstein's assistant. So I named him Justin because I think he looks like Justin Timberlake. And he just goes with it. But I love the name Igor. I'd yeah, be Igor's very proud to be with an Igor. Well, so her Russian. I'm going to use air quotes here. Boyfriend refuses to have sex with her. <laughs> and that's, that's a point of contention in uh, the most recent episode. She even flies from New Jersey to Russia to shag the guy. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's so incredibly awkward. I, I started the show with a clip from it, but it's hilarious to watch her walking through the streets of Moldovia and all these Russian people are staring at her in like complete and utter bewilderment. Like, what is that thing? That I think, with? And he's embarrassed to show his friends. I mean, like, to be fair, I haven't seen a real plastic surgery disaster yet in L.A., but you know the first time I see one, they will look like Nikki and I will not stop staring at them. Well, they're good at restaurants. First of all, she's like six foot four or something and she's wearing huge stiletto heels and like all black leather pants and like with like a big pink I gold. Like I a love golden her style. Pink yeah, like she's really glam. No one looks like that at all in that town. And the guy's like, you don't know, no one uh, looks like you here. And he, he barely speaks English. <laughs> Why and is she's he like, Arnie? No, but that, that's kind of how we talk. <laughs> she's like, you know, I, I try to get my man energy. Up because she gives him you? an ultimate. She's like, you got 48 hours to have sex with me. And he's like, uh, I need to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Because the whole fact of the matter is, you know, he doesn't want to stop the gravy train. No. But yet he also doesn't want to have sex with that thing. Like, I, <laughs> I don't want to judge, like, Justin slash Igor too much because I yeah, I think he's actually very funny and personable. But if I was him in Moldova, I would also, like, count, you know, be like, I have not had to have sex with her this year. It has been a very good year. <laughs> it has been a good year for me. <laughs> but, I mean, he's making a lot of, this is his income. So, I mean, you kind of have to, I mean, the guy has to shag her. <laughs> or he's going to lose his year, Or he's not going to have any livelihood. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Nikki, I hope by the end of this, she just kicks him to the curb and finds somebody who actually wants to be with her. And same for him. But but this is why Kate Rambo likes the show. Because it's like rubbernecking a car accident. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. No, you get the shot in Freud up from looking at this, this train yeah. wreck. And that's the thing. The show features doomed relationships marked by age differences, cultural barriers, abusive dynamics, and it raises ethical questions about the exploitation of cast members. Nobody's being exploited <laughs> here. But can I just say also as a recent immigrant... 
it's like I can view it, it with a different thing where it's like, oh, I feel a bit of what they're feeling when they're sat there and they're like, I miss my home. Although I don't miss my family, some some family members. They're like, I miss my friends. I miss my family. It's like, I miss my bunker. I get it. But the bunker <laughs> is always here in my heart. But some critics say that the cast members are clearly being catfished here and financially exploited, which Fuck leads off. to the uncomfortable and heartbreaking situations that, that are there for your entertainment. I love it. This is why I love <laughs> trash television. It's why I love hey, reality TV. You know, they're making a thousand bucks per episode and some of them spin it into like a, you know, a lucrative career. Yeah. yeah so no, so why instance. not? Anyway, check out 90 Day Fiance. Don't say any more on you. <laughs> Like you might become obsessed like Kate Rambo. Um, I think, what do you like better, 90 Day Fiance or Jim Jones? Oh my God, why are you making me choose that? I will, okay, my heart belongs to Daddy Jim Jones. But I like, 90 Day Fiance, I will like, I'll get over it. But I, 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 talk, about, I talk about Jim Jones like every single day. Jim or Jones I, is forever. He is forever. And I can't wait to go and give him a big kiss on his very juicy lips when we go to Thanksgiving. I wish there was a way you could merge the two. Ooh. Um, anyway, this week on the show, we're not going to chat about 90 Day Fiance for 90 minutes. I mm. promise. <laughs> I <laughs> <It's>, could. <laughs> instead, we're going to discuss two of the most heinous trans serial killers that I've ever read about, actually. I've never, I've never read. heard of them until you mentioned brutal killers. Yeah, I mean they put Buffalo Bill to shame. <laughs> they do. They do. But before we get into that, let's chat about something a bit sexier than a serial killer wearing fishnets. Uh, the sick wrong patron. <laughs> um, you know, people, we do have a patron. The patron is our livelihood. The patron is our, you know, anorexic Joan Rivers plastic surgery disaster that's paying us to do the show it is thank um, you to everyone yeah. on the patron <laughs> who makes this happen but that's that's all we ask is you sign up for the patron sign up for apple Podcasts, give a little get a lot support the show i have only five bucks a month that's it and you get access to sigurong second show and this week is saucy this week on sigurong second show uh, we chat about a lot, a lot of D. Simon family news. There is, yeah. Um, the first, first and foremost, my brother catching a former trick in the act of robbing his apartment and then fighting him until, in the hallway while he was trying to escape until the guy was naked. Well, my brother did end up pulling his pants off. It's an incredible story. <laughs> you got, you got to go uh, to the Sick and Wrong patron to hear that. Also. Um, you know, my sister and Jared just bought a home in Oakland, which is major news, and they moved this weekend as well. So, a lot of family news going on on the uh, the Sick and Wrong patron. That's only five bucks a month. You get access to patron. You get access to the SF, or the Sick and Wrong Discord, and then also we have Apple Podcasts now, so you can subscribe to Second Show uh, just on Apple Podcasts. It's five dollars subscription, and even bigger news. I just posted the first six years of Sick and Wrong on Apple Podcasts. Way easier to listen to it that way than downloading it off the main page and uploading it to your podcast player or going through the SoundCloud playlist, which I don't even know. I think you can play on your phone. Not quite sure how yeah. that works. But the Apple Podcast app is just through your podcast app on the phone. Yeah, it's easy. So yeah, way easier. Uh, so anyway, I posted the first six years, working on the seventh year right now. Just do a search for Sick and Wrong Podcast, and then you can subscribe to the archives. And for a few bucks more, we do have Sick and Wrong Overkill and Serial Killer Star Signs. 
um, which is some bonus uh, episodes that we do on Patreon. Just patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today. We do appreciate the support. So let me play this quick promo. And then let's chat about a couple Euro perverts who are dressed to kill. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. All right, so you guys listen to Dave Matthews. You got a water. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then... uh, She's like, come to the boudoir. Right. The boudoir. The boudoir. She is she is the type of woman who would call it a boudoir. Right. So so you go in there. When did you see first encounter the smell? Uh I think it's like when I pulled off her pants. Oh, she so pulled her panties down. Wow, just when and you I, and, what and pants or panties? No, no, no. Pants panties or trousers here. Panties still on. Strong whiff. Oh, through Whoa. the panties. Yeah. That's intense. That's intense. Right. That's intense. And I noticed. And so you're like, I got to go further. And I was like, I got to get my head in there. (laughs) I got to put my tongue in that. (laughs) I got to inspect a little closer. (laughs) I got to find Nemo. (laughs) For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. The Pink Giant, who has been cross-dressing since childhood, is now regarded as a woman by the nation he once held in the grip of terror. Uh, So says the article by Diana Shaw on womenarehuman.com. An army veteran, ex-police officer, and crane operator by trade, the six free man was a heavy-drinking, sticky-fingered, xenophobic, and right-wing radical who celebrated Hitler's birthday. He haunted forests and woods, capturing and raping women after, and sometimes before killing them, and often leaving pink lingerie atop the victims' bodies. I just want to add here that Women Are Human is one of my favorite websites. Okay. (laughs) So, Dee, if we step way back into the Wayback Machine, on episode 794, during Pride Month, we actually profiled, more than you would think, a collection of uh, cross-dressing killers. Shockingly or not, a vast majority, I remember, were Australian. Uh, But this is a modern world, and even though moral panic over transsexuals is a relatively new thing, after all, you know, Daddy Foucault did say that no generation is more or less sexualized than the last. So that means that transsexuals have been around as long as people have lived, right? But now transsexual serial killers are here, and they're pretty brutal. They're brutal sex, sex and lust killers. Kim Rambo, did you write this article for Fox News? Yes, I did. It's my alter ego, Kate Fox. (laughs) So this episode is not going to be like, don't take this as being transphobic. I generally and genuinely don't care what goes on in people's pants. But I do generally and genuinely care about brutal serial killers of the modern world. And this is still something that is very, very, very uncommon in the grand scheme of things. But that to me makes it more interesting. It makes it more news and noteworthy. What makes it even more noteworthy to me is that both of these people roamed Europe, which is my old stomping ground. And I miss Europe. So it's just like a, like a little me going home type thing. So this one is for the gore hounds and the sex freaks. So you're going to buckle up because we're going to gun the death mobile down the highway of hell. It's been a while since we've been in the death mobile, hasn't it, Dee? I can't beep. remember the last time I took a ride in the death mobile. We're about to do it. <laughs> this one is uh, pretty gruesome, though. Oh, my God. We haven't is. done a, a very graphic intro in a little while. 
Ever since the age of three, Wolfgang Schmidt, he wanted to be a girl. He's born on the 5th of October 1966 in Lenin, Brandenburg. And this airhead Libra was six or seven years old when he realized how excited and cozy he felt putting on his cold-hearted mother's bras, panties, and petticoats. Wow, he is precocious. I think I was like nine. Oh, really? I realized that. I, you know, I just want to also say I'm really glad we're now out of the era where we don't have to wear petticoats every day anymore. <laughs> Not just stopping at uh, Buffalo Bill admiring himself wearing the items, though. He would get full on teenage baby chubs when he pissed, shit or vomited on the laundry whilst wearing them. So he's growing up with conflicting, perverted thoughts and feelings indeed. And the conflicting feelings only grew when his father found the soiled garments in the garden (laughs) barn and he's viciously told off. He's probably beaten. That would have been a very awkward uh, conversation. Oh, yeah. Realizing that now wasn't safe to it wasn't safe to parade around in the safety of his own home, he took to hiding outside in his mother's clothes, masturbating furiously. And by the age of eight, he was now addicted to this fetish. He didn't do the best job of hiding his secret. His mother caught him one day when he was naked from the waist down. He had shit himself for pleasure, and she got her revenge by telling all her <laughs> friends that the boy was a, a peak who was still wetting himself. I said that in French then. She would obviously have said it in German. So after his mother, though, began to lock her clothes down in a chest (laughs) to keep her son from using them to fulfill his fetish, he then began like foraging through garbage dumps, obsessively searching for women's underwear. Um, And so when he was younger, and obviously his father used to beat the shit out of him, and his mother's very abusive too, Yes, but he didn't really care about the beatings or the scoldings. Like the bruises from his father's belts would heal. It was when the grown-ups had padlocked the mother's underwear away, that's when the problems began. That's the source mm-hmm. of the issue here. Um, you know, tantrums wouldn't work. They weren't going to unlock you. They weren't going to give him access to the mom's panties again. So that's why he had to start going out and collecting. And so when you're saying that his mother caught him Donald ducking, <laughs> have you ever heard the term shirt cocking? I have not heard shirt cocking, but I am a fan of the Donald ducking. Yeah, same diff. Um, he had just enough time to get rid of the women's garments and wipe off the feces that covered him. He would put panties on backwards, defecate in them, and then turn them around so the shit covered his genitals. What the fuck? It's like a mud bath for your dong. That's fucking disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish he'd stuck at this, though, and, you know, not murder. Yeah, this is like the extent of the fetish. So as he got older, he also discovered porn magazines, you know, when he's rooting through the, like the town tips looking for them. And he would pick them out from trash cans and he's going to pleasure himself to them as well as using candles to sodomize himself. He would wear swimming costumes and corsets and his daily full-time frills, such as he would wear women's sweaters and panties under his boring boys' pants, which makes sense to me because male fashion does kind of suck compared to female fashion. Yeah, I can see that. By the age of 23, the cross-dressing, vomiting, shitting, pissing, and porn, they're no longer enough for him to get his rocks off anymore. And he had urges to add a female person who would perform the sexual acts with him. So he combed through junkyards looking for a female dom, uh, a female doll, which is very dharma of him, but he failed. On October the 24th, 1989, he went in search of a real woman and the tranicide is about to begin. It's like Batman and Robin. He's a Batman... Looking for a Robin. Looking for a Robin. He is. 
So he broke into the home of the married 51-year-old uh, Eldu Trot uh, Nixdot. First, he stole her bikinis, her panties and candles. He had been stalking her. And one day he found her in her, in her garden this day and she was planting tulips. She fought him off with a rake, sh- uh, shouting pig and bastard, but it's to no avail. He bludgeoned her using a hammer, Oof. fracturing her skull so badly it actually caused a tear to her brain. And if she wasn't already dead enough for him, he began choking her to death. Now that she was dead, he ransacked her panty drawer before he dumped a load inside her rapidly cooling corpse. Asked why he preferred raping the dead woman's corpse, he replied in court, I simply had to have the woman under my control. I wanted to force her to rest in order not to lose what I already had in principle. Whatever that means. He just likes shagging. Yeah, but I guess he gets to pick the positions then. That's true. Yeah. Apart from, like, with rigor mortis, it would take ages, wouldn't it? I mean, for rigor mortis to You would have to in? massage. No, because, like, rigor mortis starts setting in pretty much instantly. But, like, if a body's in full-on rigor, you're not good. It's going to be very difficult for you to change positions with them. You have to shag them in whatever position they're in until the rigor mortis passes. I guess, well, maybe when they died, though, you could, like, put them in the doggy-style position. You'd have then to be they'll so be in rigor mortis yeah. in doggy-style, and then And that would last for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, at max. So it's going to take the police several days to discover her rotting body and she was sprawled out on her living room floor. Her husband had been out of town and the police, you know, normally and naturally, they suspected that her husband of um, her death and he was put under this constant stress and duress and he commits suicide via pesticide poisoning in the following year. The whole event, uh, Wolfgang would also immortalize in later text messages, which was part of the sting operation to capture the cross-dressing basher. So he texted to a friend uh, when they're discussing the cases. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. First, he killed Aldoltrud Nixdort while he, she planted her tulips. You can almost see them from here, 1989. A year later, her husband swallowed enough pesticide. So he's reveling in it. <laughs> And remembering their crimes is very much part of a serial killer's MO. We know this. Sociology and criminology professor and author Jack Levin said, To a serial killer, his crimes are often his greatest accomplishment in life. He remembers the characteristics of the victims because he wants to relive his crimes. He wants to reminisce about the good times he had inflicting pain and suffering on his victims. Yeah, what really counts to them is how the victim appeared during the crime and how he changed the victim. So this also explains why some serial killers collect trophies yeah. or souvenirs because um, then they can use these objects, which I imagine they probably masturbate with, um, but they use these objects they take from the crime scene to help them relive and re-experience the, the good times. The greatest thing I've ever done in my life, murder. <laughs> A trip down memory lane. <laughs> So it wasn't long before he's inflicting more of the same old ultraviolence. And this time it was 45-year-old Christina Najox, whom he strangled to death with a card. He would later testify that he had gone to the drunken woman's aid, but he couldn't stop myself. He said, I grabbed a cable and I strangled the woman. I undressed her, I put on her underwear, and I sexually assaulted the dead woman. He left his pink panties with her body in a landfill and during his court trial in 1992, he described how sexual violence thrilled him, saying, I had her breast in my hand. I got so excited. I couldn't stop myself. And you know, when her corpse is found a day later, she's covered in rags, her sweatpants have been pulled down and her brow was like pushed up, exposing her body. And obviously he's remembering that. 
Well, wait, wait. He's not saying a severed breast was in her in his hand. No, I think she's. He she's, was just feeling her up. Oh yeah, when she's dead, so he's getting some dead titty. I mean, any titty is good titty to feel up. I guess I I, I prefer the living variety, but that's just me. <laughs> um, you know, I feel bad for this Krista Najuk. You know, she's yeah. just unlucky. I was reading that she was living in a trailer right next to the trash dump where he would scrounge for used lingerie. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, that kind of sucks for her. She li- pr- pretty much just lives in a dump. And then second, why did he cover her in rags? Only he knows this. But, I mean, did he take her panties off? And yeah, then just and he kept them. Put rags? So, he's like swapping out rags for panties. Yeah, rags okay. for riches, isn't it? <laughs> Tit for tat. So, women across the Rhineland at the time, you know, they're more worried about wildcats, European badgers, and boars. They're not worried about cross-dressing man-stalking in the forest, but, you know, maybe they should have been, right? Probably a good idea. On the 13th of, uh, of March 1991, Wolfgang stabbed 34-year-old Inga Borkida to death in the woods of uh, Neuendorf, having first disabled her with a kick to the face. I'd also like to say, I know I'm probably pronouncing a lot of these German words wrong, wasky, but I'm trying my best. Uh, hikers found her bloated and bashed corpse a week later she's full of weak old cum her skirt was pushed up and her body's covered in moss pink panties and as a little cherry on the top a big old turd who's turd i think we all know whose fucking turd it is <laughs> but you know her body was found though wearing lingerie that did not belong to her so my first instinct is He's a very romantic man. You know, he's bringing lingerie to these women. It's not even Valentine's Day. He's still bringing them lingerie. Do you think it's from the Victoria's Secret catalog? Or do you think it's just dirty lingerie that he's found? Well, I was wondering about that. Like, do they, don't they have Victoria's Secret in Germany? They will now. But I mean, Victoria's Secret really wasn't a thing. up until Yeah, up until I would say Next Top Model is what made Victoria's Secret a thing in Europe. Well, At that, least to me. That's what I was thinking. It's like if they had Victoria's Secret in like the German malls, then he wouldn't have to scrounge around in like all the garbage dumps and people's trash bins what, to find the lingerie. What I don't get is like, charity shops have ex- existed and sold, and they sell underwear. I've bought bras out of tons of charity shops. Why didn't you just go in charity shops? You wear you buy bra- used bras from charity shops? Yeah, of course I do. Disgusting. How's it disgusting? Do you buy underwear from charity shops? No, I do draw I draw the line at Good. underwear and God. like I would only buy bedding from a charity shop if I'm gonna cut it up and make it into something else. Do you buy tampons from charity shops? Well, tampons should be free, shouldn't they? <laughs> so I had also read that uh Wolfgang had been waiting for uh Inga in a small cave where he hoarded his stash of porn magazines and used lingerie. He's like an an evil goblin. He's he's like this evil troll, like this cross-dressing troll uh, that just hides in a cave waiting for a passerby. Waiting for any woman to walk by. So all us gorehounds know that most serial killers start getting sloppy at some point, although I actually think Wolfgang was always sloppy. And they're going to start cutting corners to satisfy their bloodlust. And Wolfgang knew that he shouldn't start killing in his own hometown and bring attention, but the pink giant was overcome with lustful vengeance when 44-year-old Tamara Petrowskvia was out for a peaceful walk in the woods with her three-month-old son, Stanislaw. <laughs> Love that name. We'll call him Stan. 
Wolfgang had been in the forest for a while. He's playing his usual naughty dress-up game. And by the time Tamara and her baby were to cross his path, he was dressed only in a knickers and bra. Although he would be coy about what he did to the young boy, science shows that the baby was smashed to death against a tree. He later admits to killing Tamara, but he can't recall the whole ordeal because of his so-called selective memories. He recalls that she had something in her hand, a baby carriage, maybe. But he doesn't remember snatching the baby from its safety strap, wrapping his giant fingers around its ankle and smashing it into the side of an oak tree. Nor that Tamara, in utter horror, tried to pull her baby's dislocated corpse from his powerful grip. Yeah, in court, he said he grabbed the baby immediately, so excited that he couldn't stop himself, like he couldn't hold on. So he was like in a frenzy. Who hasn't had the desire, though, to take a baby by the ankle and smash it against a wall? I think we've all had that Me, desire. Me, I have never had that I've desire. I've had that desire. I think it would be kind of fun. <laughs> I've never had that desire. I think you're kind of a, a, I don't know, a sadist. But I have had the idea of uh, duct taping a baby's mouth shut while I've been on a plane. See, well, then you're slowly killing the baby, whereas at least mine is like a short nose. shot. I'm not like smashing them against what a brick wall. What if they wall. vomit into their mouth like they're Bon Scott in a car outside of a gig and then they die because they choke on their own vomit like they're Jimi Hendrix? I mean, there's collateral damage. M- mine is shorter, shafter, shafter, <laughs> shorter and shafter. Shorter and shafter? <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that, but I say we move on. Maybe I'm getting a bit turned on by all of this horror. He gagged Tamara using pink panties and he strangled her to death with a pink bra before he pumped, guess what, a death load into her dead uterus. That's kind of like his calling card. Yeah, his calling card. Yeah, it's like <laughs> leaving a load in her dead uterus. Uh, you know the the, the uh, magazine Build? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a sensational sort of rag in Germany. But they reported that they did a lot of reporting on Schmidt during this time. And they reported that he dragged the woman's body to a pile of pink lingerie, including a pink skirt. And that's what earned him the nickname, the Pink Giant. Because he's like, what, 6'5"? Six, 6'3". Six, I think it would sound better in German as well. Pink yeah. Giant. Whereas to us, we're just a bit like, ooh, the Pink <laughs> the Giant. Pink giant. <laughs> <laughs> he might get you. But it probably sounds nastier in German. I mean, I just, I'm thinking of the green, the Jolly Green, green giant, giant. But he's like the gay Pink Giant. <laughs> like the Jolly Green Giant's gay brother. <laughs> So joggers found the woman's body the next day. She'd been raped and discarded near the trash pile that Wolfgang had been rummaging through. The medical examiner determined that Tamara's baby had died of severe cranial injuries. I think it would have been better if he had kept the baby. Not smashed the baby, kept the baby, raised it in his pervert cave... And then it could be his depraved transkiller sidekick. Like the new Halloween. Robin. Like the new Halloween movie. Yeah, I guess kind of, that's kind of like a, like a protege. But I was thinking like, you know, he's Batman Robin. This would be his like sidekick. My pawn perverted son. Would he teach his son how to shit in women's underwear and like get a dong? He would teach him all on. the techniques. Yeah. Pass it down another generation. Fantastic. Yeah. It oh, could have well. been a duo. Well, instead he decided to kill the kid against yeah. a tree. <laughs> so we can't <laughs> go back. It didn't work out. Puistan. Only 14 days after the murder of Tamara and her son, Wolfgang spots two 12-year-old girls in a wooded area near a village church in a Lutzwisgeld. He grabbed hold of one girl. He cut her face with a knife, but they fought him off, eh? And they managed to escape, and they, they're the first to provide the police with a composite sketch of the pink giant. 
But he's full of cum and he's full of rage. After the girls had escaped, he needed some form of sweet release. And he broke into the home of 66-year-old pensioner uh, Tatia Bremer, who lived in the spruce forest. She was asleep, uh, but she certainly woke up when Wolfgang began violently beating her before he strangled her to death. And he left his telltale load in her geriatric German growler growler i love it great word there <laughs> i just love how this guy's such an opportunist just wandering the the black forest of germany in his brawn panties well that's what makes him dangerous when serial killers <laughs> are just like you're a woman any woman will do like yeah he's I just don't an opportunist yeah. it's just any woman as long as you got a you know some underwear some a skirt maybe a brassiere like i'm, I'm gonna kill you probably strangle you with it and dump my load in your dead uterus Ugh. um but yeah when he after he killed uh, uh bremer he fled the scene and with like a big suitcase full of her blouses skirts and underwear i can see right back to the pervert case i was gonna say i can see him Im- impishly running away being like <laughs> like so happy with all his new treats <laughs> But it wouldn't be the wiener-eating police that are going to catch the killer through their own hard work. It was two very non-gay men who were jogging in the woods together. And we had a deep discussion about this because I feel if you're two men and you're jogging in the woods together, I kind of feel you're a little bit gay, if not gay. See, I question if it's really gay for two men just to be out jogging, especially in Europe. Like maybe in the US it could be a little gay, but in Europe, men double scoot i mean when we were in uh cologne i saw two men like probably of college age maybe late 20s double scooting but they could have been gay i mean possibly but i mean who knows like in europe you know in europe everyone's a little gay that is true so it's hard to tell that's what i'm thinking like these two guys out for a jog they could have just been really good friends like buddies whereas in the u.s i could see it being a little gay they could be butt buddies possibly blow buddies so they stumbled across a man masturbating his skin flute wearing a bra and not much else they bravely cornered the wanker and they handed him over to the police they also had like recognized his like composite sketch and they were like here's a weird man in the forest wearing a bra wanking well i read that he was wearing um a brassiere and panties but he also had a green camouflage jacket oh so you can't see him well, That's yeah. very, very well, he wise. Was definitely like going like <laughs> going at know, himself, cross-dressing Rambo here, <laughs> and he had like binoculars just scouting for potential victims. Oh my god! And so they knew that there was a serial killer around, and so they like apprehended him. Um, and then when they uh, they they held him down, they discovered that he had like a bunch of women's clothing, or he was wearing women's clothing, but he also was holding women's clothing and a crowbar underneath the camo jacket. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. And so they overpowered him and then hand him over to the police, finally putting an end here to uh, Wolfgang's killing spree. So during his trial, he told the court that he had actually never intended to murder anyone at Ja Gunno, which is German for Ja Right. He had thought each woman was only in his head, a figment of his imagination. Until he saw the deaths reported in the newspaper, he said, I just had to have the woman under my control. I wanted to force her to rest so as not to lose what I already had. I never thought that I could kill her fatally. I just wanted living women. So he is a bit like Dennis nielsen Jeffrey Dahmer here. Like, I do want them alive, but at the same time, I can't control them. So it's better for me to kill you so I can possess you. But did Dahmer want them alive? Oh, yeah. He would make them zombies, remember? He would, like, uh, oh, okay. inject so I guess they're living, them. but he wanted complete control. Control. Yeah. 
So Wilfred Rask, he's a forensic uh, psychiatrist. He assessed the fetishistic serial killer in court, describing him as a sex pathological development in which fetishist, um, chorophilic, transvestite, and sadist elements can be found. A severe over mental abnormality in the legal sense. He's basically saying he's the sex sex crazed maniac. Well, he's a sex crazed maniac that was definitely born that way. Like, I mean, this this guy began stealing and wearing his mother's underwear at the age of six I yeah mean, that's deviant uh, to like, already be doing that yeah, yeah like that's not i don't think that's a nature nurture I, th- I think it's nature not nurture like i don't think yes i mean he's only alive for six years and he's already stealing his mother's underwear and then uh he had overwhelming comforting feelings about it even at that age that early age and i read that in kindergarten wolfgang would rummage through closets looking for girls underwear and then he urinated on them <laughs> so i mean this kid was born a deviant yeah so in late 1992 he's sentenced to 15 years in the nuthaus in brandenburg and his last plea to the judge was that he be charged as a woman and his name legally cha- changed and his pleas were ignored but in 2001 he, you know he's grown his hair out he's wearing female clothes and he so he petitions the court to be recognized as a woman and he wants a name change and he chose the name Beth and it's granted by 2009 um he now she was permitted to begin hormone therapy in order to change uh, his appearance to the more feminine look that she craves but due to the cost of gender affirming surgery she has not been allowed to undergo the procedure she said of how the other prisoners react to her changing appearance. The others are nasty to me. They say I could get a fat ass. That hurts. <laughs> then I have to cry. I cry a lot now, but it helps me. I feel the more feminine inside. You'd think the prisoners would like a fat ass. Fuck yeah, they would. You know, you'd prefer it. I'm going to post uh, a couple of pictures of Wolfgang to the website. But if you, uh, there's this one picture of him kind of wearing like, it's like pink, like a pink. Twin set. Yeah, it's like a yeah. big twin set, bra and panties. But he kind of reminds me of Dolph Lundgren. I see that. You know, he yeah, kind of yeah. looks like, because he's huge, and he's got like blonde hair, and he kind of looks a bit like Dolph Lundgren. The cross-dressing Dolph Lundgren. So for you, those of you who are looking to the shiny side of the smoke penny and are thinking, maybe all her problems are now <laughs> going to disappear now that she's allowed to fully embrace her feminine traits. Well, a leopard doesn't change its spots, no matter what gender it is. A fellow patient claimed to have been raped in the shower by Schmidt on several occasions. So this patient is a male, a former police officer who was named Jens and now identifies as a woman named Jasmine. Jasmine had been placed in the psychiatric hospital after raping a woman and for murdering uh, his, her mother and raping her corpse. His rape ap- accusations against Smith were investigated, but no charges have been brought due to lack of evidence. Jasmine attempted suicide in 2010 by swallowing razor blades. So this is a whole clusterfuck of rapes. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of rapes. There's a lot of raping going there on. There is so much <laughs> it's rapes. It's like everybody's raping each other and then raping their mothers. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of rapes. Wait, take a step back here. Okay. Swallowing razor blades? To kill yourself. Okay, yeah. Now that's harsh. That's like that's like up there with drinking Trano. Yeah. It's, My God. <laughs> you want to die. 
So now realizing that he's never going to leave the nut house, he is detained indefinitely. In 2010, he smoked. Uh, he spoke to Bilt and he wore his fingernails painted red with a pink rinch top that apparently emphasized the first steps of his breasts. They're pouting. <laughs> he told the magazine, for almost 20 years, I've had to face the fact that six people died on my conscience. I couldn't help it. I was so out of control. Free again? I don't deserve that. But my biggest pride right now are my boobs. I have an A cup. A little will come. My beard has stopped growing. The only thing missing is the sex change. He said, uh, she says that she likes wearing skirts and heels and uh, jams her penis in his panties. Well, was his panties, goal sorry. to uh, rid himself or herself of the penis or was he going to keep the penis? I don't know. I don't know. what. I, well, he, she said that she wanted gender surgery oh, so but obviously he, the country isn't going to pay for that so but he but ideally he'd like to get rid of his penis yeah we are going to get all these pronouns and stuff wrong but who cares he's a wanker Wolfgang yeah, Schmidt, a wanker. What, no matter what name Wolfgang Chain does or what, whatever gender he assigns himself to he's just a wanker I'm not too concerned about dead naming Wolfgang Schmidt am I <laughs> yeah I'm not either and furthermore you know a cup that's itty bitty titty committee going on here. Yeah, come on, should mate. Should he shoot his sights for something a little bit bigger? Are you like Richard Speck? Well, that's who yeah. I was thinking. Like Richard Speck in that infamous prison video, which showed him performing oral sex on another inmate, inmate while there was this big, massive pile of cocaine. Um, and he was walking around in his silk panties. And he, he had, like, I would say B or C's. Oh, he had bigger than me, easily bigger tits than me. You know, they uh, smuggled in hormone treatments for him. I bet they did. <laughs> I think he was like the, he was the hoe of the, of like the prison block. He was totally into it. Yeah. He said, uh, but the best line from that video yeah. is, if they only knew how much fun I was having, they'd turn me loose. Richard Speck, what a rapist <laughs> cunt. Had cool tattoos though, I'll give you that, Richard. Oh yeah, he did. Uh, so Wolfgang also admitted, I don't get visitors. My father was with me for the last time in 1995 and promised to come back. I am disappointed in my family. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. Other patients have also done bad things, but the family are behind them. I blame my mother for never trying to help me. Get the fuck over it, right? He doesn't care about being called a monster or that he has ruined the lives of several families, including his own. His younger brother told her German media, he is disgusting. I still don't understand how he killed those women and the baby. He has destroyed our family. Three potential employers wouldn't hire me when they found out I was his brother. He's very lucky to have been judged in Germany because in many other countries he would have been sentenced to death. He most definitely would have been sentenced to death in the USA. Yeah. Um, but I read that Schmidt's brother said that, uh, I know my brother. He doesn't change. He's always dangerous. Lock him up, build a wall twice as high, and throw away the key. Wow. That's <laughs> so some... I don't think he's going to be giving him, you know, visiting him, bringing Wiener schnitzel on Christmas. But, you know, I don't think Schmidt really cares because now is her chance to wear her panty collection behind the safety of the Nuthouse bars forever. But Schmidt is not alone. In fact, the only Finnish serial killer recognized by the FBI is a he-she, and they drew sharp criticism on social media when Wikipedia changed uh, their pronouns from a he to a she. So uh, this is like, I'm going to be speaking some Scandinavian. Wish me luck. Uh, thank you, the Swede. So this is born as a Jukka Torsen Lindholm in July 1965 in uh, Ulu, Finland. And he would be a menace to society. Well, he's going to be mainly a menace to women in society. But it seems like Finland at the time didn't really give a shit about the women in society. 
But I did go into like a fun little, uh, you know, facts about Ulu, which is in the fuck all north of Finland. So it has a huge, huge, large religious population of the evangelical Lutheran church. And it's also known as conservative uh, Lestadianism, which is kind of like Scandinavia's answer to the Amish. Hmm. Do they uh, uh, farm reindeer? Yeah. Or is that different people? No, they'll. you're thinking of the Sami people. Oh, okay, that's what I was thinking, yeah. But they probably will. They'll eat reindeer. I remember I had a Finnish friend, and she just always used to say, when I used to be like, what food do you miss the most? She'd be like, her mom used to make this amazing spinach soup, and she'd be like, reindeer. Reindeer's the best meat you could eat. That's, that's very odd, but... I bet it's tasty. Well, people eat venison. Yeah, here, I think it would be so. like a nicer venison. So they basically believe that contraception is a sin. So they're going to have large families as a result of this. They don't have televisions. They don't listen to pop music. And they don't have, they don't drink alcohol, which is kind of unusual for scandos. But the lines are now being blurred by the uh, temptation of the internet. But if Ulu was offended by birthing the country's only serial killer, well, they should also be embarrassed by child sex abuse scandal, which broke in 2011, (laughs) where a Finnish investigative reporter uncovered more than 30 years worth of diddling by uh, Lestadian preachers. And they say that transvestites reading books to kids is an enemy, right? Oh, and there was also another child sex uh, exploitation scandal in 2018 as well. So you kind of think of Finland as being like bland and boring. And it needs some like church burnings to liven things up. But, you know, they'll just shaggy kids. Yeah, I mean, it sounds Very quite Finnish. scandalous. I mean, just there you go. Another testament to why they created religion. Just a vehicle for child molestation. Damn right. <laughs> In every culture. So Yucca is also going to be known as Michael Pentome and later Michael Maria Pentilia. His true name is Sariyoka Istaya, which means a serial strangler. So, you know, Adam from Tokyo says he's fluent in every language. So maybe he could judge my Finnish then for You're me. giving him a run for the money uh-huh. there. But throughout all of her identities, she's a killer who embarks on a lifetime of abuse, rape, and strangulation, much like her German counterpart, Bette Schmidt. And like Bette, it is up for debate if both killed because of a callous disregard for women or to cover up their very, very kinky and perverted crimes. I would say both, but probably more of the former. Unlike Bet, though, Jukka came from a relatively middle-class household. Both parents remained friends and co-parents after a very amicable divorce. And Jukka maintained close relationships with stepbrothers and stepsisters on both sides. Like a lot of serial killers, though, he begins acting out and engaging in criminal behavior at a young age. He begins drinking heavily, which I would too if I lived in the buttfuck north of Finland. He abused drugs. He dabbles in petty crimes. But, you know, most teenagers do this. He would steal his grandmother's purse and him and several friends would go around emptying out traditional Finnish uh, slot machines or payosas with a fishing line, stealing about 4,000 Finnish or like one and a half euros. One and a half 1,500 rats. euros. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So they just had like a fishing line that would like... You know, you would put the money in. You'd pretend like you'd put money into the into the gambler, and then you would oh, bring you your money out, out and, and then, then you would play the gambler. A, yeah. Okay, but you'd get a pull on the slot machine. Yeah, I used to have buddies who would go all around town. Who like they would say you just listen for certain noises in the machine, and when you hear certain noises, you know it's going to drop money. So that that would be what they would do on a weekend. I mean, yeah, but they're not stealing. It is stealing what they're doing. Why? They're hearing certain noises. Yeah, but it's kind of like counting cards. I guess. I don't, I don't, I mean, the, you could say the casinos are stealing by making those machines like so tight. 
That's true. You know, I mean, there's a setting on it. That's why everyone says, like, when you go to downtown Vegas, the slot machines are easier. Oh. Yeah. The nightlife's better downtown. So he's also going to develop a fondness for ultra macho action and horror movies. His favorites being Rambo, Exterminator, which I haven't seen, but sounds amazing, and Halloween. I've never heard of Exterminator. It Is looks that an so 80s good. action movie? Yeah, it's about an ex-Vietnam uh, vet who has to come home and clean up the streets of New York. I can't remember who the actor was, but it looks really good. Similar to Rambo. I wonder who's Same in Same premise. It. We should watch it. And he's even going to grow out his curly coils into a very John J. Rambo-esque 1980s look. He's got the Rambo mullet. It's a good look. By the time he's 16, he's bored by petty crime, so he's looking for some new kind of kick. In 1981, a 16-year-old girl named Katy, who lived in Yuka's building, was returning home from a party. Out of nowhere, a young man about her age, wearing black leather gloves, attacked her on the staircase. So according to the article on JoeTurnerBooks.com, Yuka forced her into an elevator and he took her down into the building cellar whilst threatening to rape her. Instead of removing her clothes, which Katty later admitted surprised her, he violently assaulted her while she was fully clothed. He beat her with his fists, knocked her head against the floor and strangled her with her own scarf. However, she fought back and she managed to escape where she fled back to the party that she had just left. God, I would have to go at least get a couple shots of Jaeger after that. Fuck yeah. She later admitted that during this horrific ordeal, she repeatedly begged uh, Yuka to just rape her, um, insisting that she wants to live. And she later informed police that the set and the cellars immediately searched. But Yuka had obviously, you know, he's fucked off. During Katty's questioning by police, the girl was shown a collection of suspect photographs. And among them, she identified her attacker as uh, Yuka Torsten Lindholm. He's caught, he's given a slap on the wrist and a sentence of six months, basically, probation and ordered to pay a bit of a fine. Which, again, I think all the attitudes from what's going to happen here on to Yucca reflect Finland's attitudes towards women and rape at the time. I hope it's changed over the years. I would like to hope it has to. Uh, Yuka, he's going to move on from this experience, but obviously he's going to do it in a negative way. Two years later, he's caught with a bunch of buddies breaking into an appliance store this time he's gonna have to pay a fine and he does a stint in juvie and this was a time that was hellish for him and it didn't stop him from returning to a life of crime though once he was back on the frozen Finnish streets in 1985 in august of 1985 20 year old uh, yuka went out with his mother uh, liana and her boyfriend but the evening was marred by constant arguments between the couple that developed into a physical confrontation with yuka being forced to intervene and uh, physically separate the pair At the end of the night, which they had spent bar hopping, he returned home with his mother. But the next morning, he missed a meeting that he had scheduled with his father with no explanations. Obviously, this is the day before text messaging. Concerned, his father and grandmother tried to contact uh, both um, Yucca and uh, his mother, but no one picks up. Now truly worried, the father and Liana's brother went to the apartment using the grandmother's key for access. There they found the body of Liana Lindholm, age 48, sprawled out on the bed. And I'll give you three guesses who did it. I think we know. But the flat had been cleaned. It showed no signs of a struggle. So the reindeer-eating Finnish police originally thought that she'd just died of natural circumstances. But when the autopsy came back that she'd been strangled and both Yucca and her boyfriend, they're hauled in for police questioning. Boyfriend's cleared almost instantly. 
But Yucca's story stank more than the stinky fish that those fins eat. <laughs> and they couldn't pin anything on him, though. They had no physical evidence to tie him to his mother's death. So he's released, ready to kill again. Well, at least he didn't dump a load in her. That's true. Like you know, Wolfgang. he's very... He probably, like, just maybe came into a sock. Yeah. Afterwards. Did he steal her panties, at least? We won't know. Maybe he hmm. did. In 1986, he's 21, he's unemployed, he's drinking heavily, and he convinces two 12-year-old girls, uh, one called Tita Marana and Susanna, real name unknown, to help carry beer back to his apartment in exchange for some money. I gotta say, Tita is a great name. Tita. (laughs) Um, You know, yeah, he convinced them to accompany him back to his apartment. So he met these two 12-year-old girls. He's like, why don't you come back to the apartment, and I'll give you some money to go buy alcohol. So it's like alcohol. There it is. The cause, you know, of everyone's problems. The cause of and solution, solution to. to everyone's problems. Although I got to say at 12, I probably would have done the same thing. I, I was still kind of innocent at 12. I was still innocent until I was about 15. I don't think I'd go back to the apartment, but I would have been like, okay, well, I'll carry it over here. Yeah. But then you got to go in there and buy me a beer. Yeah. I probably would have been like, I don't want to speak to the mullet man. Don't speak to me. Well, we used to uh, pay homeless guys just to go in there and buy a beer. We used to, I don't know how we got away with like buying, because we looked 15, but the local booze shop would just sell us booze and we'd just fucking buy it. I never once had to ask an adult to buy me booze. But what, at what age do you have to be to buy booze in the UK? 18. But and I'm you saying, have to be 18. Okay. I looked fucking 15. I did not look older than 15. And they would just sell me these big bottles of Lambrini and we would go to the park and get trashed. Well, in the U.S., you got to be 21, so I mean, unless yeah. you have a fake ID, you got to go pay a homeless guy to go buy, go buy, or a friend of yours to go buy you some booze. It's different now. Like, my generation was definitely like, we want to go to the park, we want to get wrecked. It doesn't matter, like, what time of year it is, we're going to go and get wrecked. But the like, seems like the young kids nowadays are like, I just want to go to the gym and, you know, smoke my vape a little. Yeah, I don't know if the Gen Zers drink as much as we did. No, I don't think they do. They definitely don't do as many drugs as uh, the, well, the Gen Xers. I was going to say, the drugs nowadays are shite, so I don't blame him for that. So w- once he's got the girls inside his apartment, though, he falsely accuses the girls of stealing his keys. He attacks Susanna. He locks her in a closet, and she's forced to listen to the attack on her friend. So first he strangled Titter with his bare hands, then with a leather belt, and finally with the drawstrings of her hooded sweatshirt. It's a hell of a lot of strangling. He loves it. Once uh, Titter is unconscious, he forced Susanna out of the closet and he made her lie on the body of her friend and then he climbed on top of this like nonce rape sandwich and he's rubbing and kissing both of them. Uh, That is a very awkward threesome. Probably the most awkward threesome (laughs) in history. Worse than the one on Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) He's strangling Susan intermittently um, and he's saying to her like in between like he's going to have sex with both of them, especially her. Somehow, I couldn't find out how, Susanna escaped, but Titta did not. When the cloudberry-eating police arrived, they found the 12-year-old dead from strangulation. Yuka had fled to a nearby forest, but it didn't take them long to find him. And when they did, he turns on the waterworks, bawling his eyes out and asking for his dead mother to help him. Boo-hoo-hoo. When questioned, he said that Susanna was a whore and that therefore, because she's a whore, she's worthy of death. He told police that he'd spent the whole day drinking and that he had planned to have sex with both girls, whether they consented or not. And when Tita refused and fought back, he was overcome with rage and he strangled her. Uh, Tita, sorry. During the interrogation, he broke down and he admitted to murdering his mother in a similar manner. So he's basically confessing to police that 
hey, I'm a pedophile and I was going to, to rape these... Two children. Yeah, but these like minors. I mean, what's the age of consent in Finland? I wonder if it's the same as Britain. I wonder if it's 16. 16? Yeah, 16 well, seems girls, to be the age in Europe. Well, these girls are a few years shy of that. Yeah. So this guy's a pedo. He's a t- yeah, he's a pedo. He also said he blamed his mother for not helping him get out of juvie sooner and for having a horrible boyfriend that made his stepsister move out of the apartment. So his narcissistic side showed really when he said, my mum will always live for me. Yeah, because you killed her. Yeah, during the interrogations, he described to police how he had waited for his mother to fall asleep before donning her blue leather gloves. Mm. Which seems to be a bit of a hallmark for him because he's got a, a bunch of different types of leather gloves. He's a glove fetishist. Yeah. And I must say, I love wearing gloves too, so I totally get it. So did Michael Jackson. Hey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he donned her blue leather gloves and one of her scarves and then choked her out. Um, and then he confessed that he liked to visit his mother's grave after the killing. Just to like, what, catch up? Shoot the shit? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, did he wear the blue gloves to the grave? Oh yeah, and maybe her scarf too. In March of 87, he's going to backtrack in his confession. And the courts, deeming as having an incomprehensible mental state, they found him to have diminished responsibility for his crimes. His mother's murder is commuted to aggravated assault and manslaughter. The assault of the two girls, which ended in the strangulation and murder of Tita, was commuted to manslaughter with two accounts of attempted rape and two counts of gross indecency upon a child. So for these manslaughter murders, as well as his other crimes, he received a total sentence of nine years and seven months. Like if that had been my daughter and you're telling me that you, he will only serve nine years, I would shoot him in court. I would take a finished fucking gun. You know, what's his, from the White Death, World War II. I would fucking find where he is and I'd be like, I'm paying you to go to court and fucking kill him. Go, White Death, go. I would go get the Laplanders and do some mob justice. Yeah, nine years, piss take. And he's, he even appeals his case. And a court of appeals further cut down his sentence to a total of eight and a half years. So the charge in Leona's murder was also changed from manslaughter to negligent homicides. But, you know, them's the break sometimes. It's all different, isn't it? Yeah, here we go. Some, some good old righteous Scandinavian justice. <laughs> I mean, it's the best place to commit a murder. I mean, look at Varg Vikernes from uh, Burzum when he uh, killed Euronymous. Uh, He's out. He's a free man now. He served his sentence, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, he only got, he murdered a guy and he only got, like, I don't know, 15 years? But, I mean, the circumstances with Euronymous were very different to this. He wasn't murdering Euronymous in a fucking sexual pleasure game. And Euronymous had also stated was, that he was going to kill Vi. But it was premeditated. Like, he went it over was there with a, yeah, with a knife. But, I mean, even during prison, like, he was allowed to have a keyboard and video games. That does not happen in San Quentin. I'm no, no, but that's a that's a maximum security prison. Like you can in Britain, they can have keyboards and video games in certain prisons with certain privileges. Doesn't happen in San Quentin. <laughs> yeah, but prison isn't meant to be about punishment. It's meant to be about rehabilitation. And if punishment prison actually worked, then there would be nobody in prison, would there? Well, that's what I'm saying. With with that mentality that's why you get eight and a half years because they think you're gonna be rehabilitated so you can enter back into society and then kill again he's obviously one of the small minority because most people in the scandinavias when they do go to these jails never reoffend. or the re like the reoffensive offensive rates are very very fucking low in the u.s we lock them up and throw, throw away, away the key, the key. <laughs> or electrocute them on a chair <laughs> now that's justice apparently 
So once freed, he moves in with his grandma and he manages to stay out of trouble for long for as long as a psychopath can, which is around a year. In June of nineteen ninety three, he murdered an acquaintance to a Roma man that he was planning to sell a gun to. So his mother returns home and she finds a woman all dressed in black lying dead on the toilet floor. She had been moved there after you guessed it, she had been strangled to death. All evidence points to only one man and one man only, although he is not going to be a man for much longer. He pleads innocence. The police dig deep, finding that he was smart enough to appear as sane as possible. So a stripper whom Yucca had a sadomasochistic relationship with testified, claiming Yucca had gotten so worked up while choking her that her nose had begun to bleed and then she had lost consciousness. Uh, Yucker apologized for this fact uh, and this act in court. What did he say? Forgot the safe word? It, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> you got to pick something you'll remember, people. Despite his strangling and raping history and obvious hatred of women, it was once again deemed manslaughter. He appeals the nine and a half years behind bars, uh, dangling the carrot that he had more information regarding the murder of Arja. Yucca said that he'd wanted to have sadomasochistic sex with her and that his kink was controlled choking, a.k.a. Um, asphyxophilia. It's like erotic asphyxiation. Right, and I think to some small degree, a lot of people have this. A lot of people have autoerotic asphyxiation. Well, I would say more men have that, <laughs> but like loads of women, like their their throat being a little choked during a rough shag. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I think to some degree is like a thing. So I just didn't say yes, but she didn't say no either. Apparently, so he claims that he played a a joke where he grabbed um, her fake fur pelt and he wrapped it around her neck. What exactly screams hilarious about suddenly choking a defenseless woman remains a mystery as during this so-called joke, she dies. Yeah, really funny joke. Yeah. So while in prison, <laughs> you could tell law enforcement that his chilling motive behind the slaying uh, was that he had confessed to her that he had a sexual abnormality. And so before death, he told Arja that he was only he was only capable of sadomasochistic sex, which included bondage, whipping, strangulation, and that was it. And so he said, "I told her that this is this is the way I get yeah. off." And so, you know, she should have known about it before she died. You know, it's just there's risks involved it's, with having it's her sex fault. with me. Yeah, it's yeah. all her fault. Once again, laying the blame on someone else. He said that he panicked, right? And he dragged her to the toilet to try and resuscitate her. Why the toilet is better to re-alive someone is unknown. But, you know, his grandmother returns home. He fled and he spent several hours lying on his mother's grave and weeping. Always back to the mother's grave. He loves it there. It's his happy place. But this time the courts don't buy it and they upped his nine and a half year sentence to ten and a half. Them's the break sometimes. Although he's like, a, he's like a liar boy, isn't he? Although he's not going to be a boy for much longer after this. I'm pretty sure that Yucker is a mutable sign because he had two distinct sides to his personality. One side, he craved the old ultraviolence, the sweat of testosterone, cavemen saying, ooh, round a fire. But the other side was softer. It's wearing pastel twin sets, pearl earrings, pale pink lipstick. Yeah, it's like the dichotomy between Chuck Norris and Marilyn Monroe. That'd be a great Halloween cost- costume if you did one side Chuck Norris and split. one Marilyn yeah. Monroe. So the prison director took some measure of safety against this, stating that Yucca uh, was riling up the male inmates sexually. And Yucca took offense to this and he filed a complaint with the parliamentary um, ombudsman. He protested that he was not allowed to order women's clothing and products like the female inmates were allowed to. 
and and the female inmates are allowed to order men's clothing. So despite the double standard that's clearly shown, he lost his round and the ombudsman sided with the prison director. His lifestyle took several other unexpected terms uh, whilst he was locked up. He converted to Catholicism. He married a female prisoner named Henelaney Pentome, who was serving a life sentence for the murder of her own husband, Go Henelaney. At this point, Yucca changed his name and he took her last name and he becomes Michael Maria Pento. This marriage only lasts two years. He changes his last name back, but he keeps Mar- the Maria. And this is where he becomes a she. I think uh, Henley Penholm was, was a bit butchy. I think she was on the butchy side. Do you think? I a think Finnish so. woman I, being butchy. Well, I did see a picture of her, but <laughs> I think she was a bit butchy here. At the end of her sentence and before her release, despite the verdict stating that she should not be released, she's paroled in 2008. Like all recently released long-term prisoners, she found it a very stressful time, so she books in for a massage after seeing an advert in a local newspaper. She dresses really masculine, she wears leather trousers and a Korean shirt, and she also slipped on a pair of red leather gloves. I think you know where this is going. You know what happens when he slips on the, the gloves. gloves. The glove is coming on. The gloves kill. The masseuse would later tell of how she faded in and out of consciousness as Maria was strangling her, but somehow she manages to calm down the sex-crazed strangler. She even makes her a coffee, and she keeps the massage appointment. So, like, shout out to this, like, tough-as-balls Finnish masseuse. Maintaining composure Asia. there, Yeah. At the end of the session, Maria kissed the woman on the forehead, but the masseuse was just like way too freaked out to report it at the time. One month later, on September the 1st, she books a cleaner from a newspaper advert, and when the woman arrives, she just strangles her, warning that she will crush her windpipe if she makes a wrong move. The cleaner manages to escape by biting down on Maria's hand. Maria, not deterred, did the same act three weeks later with another cleaner who also escapes with their life. You know, I'm going to post a picture of, of Yuka, and I got to say, he's not a very imposing figure. Like, I could, I can, I, I could imagine the pink giant like, strangling the shit out of you because be he's massive. Yeah. You know, he's wearing a, a bra and panties running around the forest. But this guy just kind of looks like, I don't know, some like goth club weirdo. Yeah, definitely looks like a goth club weirdo. You know, That's just this like goth club who's too old to be a bar sinister, and he's kind of effeminate. And he's not a very big guy either, so I don't know. I mean, you'd think these Finnish women would have been able to resist, you know, and fight back. Well, they did. Well, some did, yeah. the two 12-year-olds. The two yeah. So Maria later says that she's lonely and she'd pounced on these women in an S&M kink fantasy role-play game. A fantasy role-play game where the other player hasn't consented or doesn't even know that they're playing. So in a similar game that she was playing only in her mind, she abducted an old friend that she had met in a bar and again attempted to strangle her. And when the woman said no, Maria actually did something surprising. She let the woman redress and they went back to the bar. But the whole night, Maria sat next to her, holding her hand. And to me, I feel this is prolonging the foreplay of murder. Like she's like, oh, right now I'll let you go down. But in a couple of hours, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, that would have been agonizing. Like, now you have right. to hang out with this weirdo at the bar at the who just tried club. to, like, strangle you. Yeah, wearing eyeliner that is, like... When, you know, you can tell the old goths, especially like, the old male goths who just use, like, um, pencil eyeliner and they don't smudge it out. It drives me wild. I just want to smudge Guy-liner. it out for them. Guyliner. 
So this woman felt trapped, but eventually she was able to call a friend for help. And But this woman got off fucking lightly. In August of 2009, Maria trapped a woman in a hotel room in Ulu where she raped and strangled her. Throughout the encounter, she wore the leather gloves, fast her signature. And this time she opted for black leather gloves. The rape and strangulation lasted for 10 hours from midnight until 10 a.m., during which time she would obviously not let the woman use her cell phone or call for help. And she repeatedly threatened to kill her. And this slew of climbs landed her back in the lockup. At the end of 2009, while she was in custody, she underwent several psychiatric evaluations. In one, she claimed she wanted to be a woman since she was young. And uh, she said the subject variously reported the time when she realized she was a woman, already at the age of 16 in the early 90s or late 1990s. At present, sex reassignment surgery is on the student's mind all the time. The research subject does not believe that they will miss their male genitalia or male sexuality in any other way. In her opinion, the subject is a woman with normal sense, a lesbian, by sexual orientation. So Yuka said she was a lesbian. Yeah, in her mind, she's a lesbian. And then they were obviously talking about S&M sex. But the reports were mixed on what might be wrong with her, but they all concluded with one thing. She's a really dangerous individual. Yeah, so maybe you want to sentence her to more than like five years and a slap on the wrist. Well, in June 2010, she's sentenced six years in prison for two counts of (laughs) attempted manslaughter and one count of assault. She's also forced to pay a fine to the three victims. In 2012, she's tried for the attempted murder of the two anonymous women, and she gets four years and four months for aggregate, uh, aggravated rape, attempted aggravated assault, and uh, d- uh, deprivation of liberty, which is a sentence that's far too fucking light. Especially after all these reoffenses. It's not well, like she's a first-time offender. I mean, look at his criminal history. That's what I don't understand. I mean, it's like this guy is a recidivist. I mean, he just keeps committing the crimes over and over again, yet they just kind of let him go. I don't understand it. But what's worse than these very light sentences is they sent her to an open prison where she gets more freedoms and liberties than a regular prison. So in a prison shopping trip to like a mall in October of 2015, Maria escapes of a number of prisoners. She's soon caught. But since technically escaping an open prison is not a crime, neither of them have any time added to their sentences. This is mind-blowing. Right. (laughs) By Christmas in 2016, she served her time and she walks free again. (laughs) This is the part I love the most. (laughs) Little more than a month later, using an Instagram page called Leather Gloves. (laughs) (laughs) I have this great picture of him where he doesn't really look very feminine in this picture. I mean, because it's a recent picture, but it has like, I don't know, eight pairs of gloves. And they're just right next to him. Yeah. With his eyeliner. So he's dressing as a man. He's calling himself Michael. She begins stalking and harassing a 17-year-old neighbor. He wrote her a creepy note in which he put his phone number. So after a quick Google and an Instagram dig, she realized who Michael really was. And it's Finland's only known serial killer. She gives the note to her dad. And her dad goes, oh, Chris Hansen, right? And he arranges to meet Michael outside the apartment as the family watches And they're recording it, too, on their phones, (laughs) all watching it. This had to have gone viral. The girl watches the encounter as her dad wanted to know why Michael was contacting his daughter. And as she's filming them, (laughs) she realizes that she'd actually seen Michael before. She'd seen Michael through the people of her front door three months ago. And he was dressed head to toe in black leather, wearing black leather gloves. All right. So he was full on gimp mode there. Now, that's a bit terrifying. 
The Helsinki courts couldn't make charges stick. And guess who's back on the street? And guess who's ready for just one last <laughs> thrilling murder? You know, jail does not deter this guy. Fuck no. Yeah. So the body of a dead 52-year-old sex worker, and it is really sad that she doesn't even have a name. She's just known as a sex worker, was discovered on May the 4th, 2018, after the smell of her three months old decomposing corpse was very much upsetting the neighbors. She had been strangled with bare hands, then a belt, and finally her own pantyhose. They are arrested, obviously, perp numero uno. They discovered the woman's DNA on uh, Maria's belt, his phone and laptop. They're turned over to the police as well. And looking through them, they found mountains of graphic BDSM porn. And uh, thanks to Maria not deleting her history, they found a video that she'd been watching the day before the video, the murder. The video was of a role play scene that featured two women having sex and then one of them strangling the other to death with a pair of pantyhose. It's like Boston Strangler Pond. You know, this has got to be kind of easy for uh, the Finnish detectives here. It's like, okay, woman strangled death with pantyhose. Well, I wonder who that could be. Maria, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you gotta I, see her. I would say it's probably <laughs> Maria, you know? I mean, if, it's, if, if I had to make a wild guess here, um, I read that psychologist, uh, Jan Henry Stenberg, told the Helsinki Court of Appeal that Pentila's pornography consumption illustrated the premeditated nature of his crime. Always goes back to the porn. And that highlighted the tendency for pornography use to escalate towards more extreme content. And so it was revealed that he had mimicked the actions of one of the men in the pornographic video they had watched. So I love how they tried to blame porn, porn for this guy's murder rampages. I don't think porn should be blamed for this. No, I think he should be blamed for this and probably locked up in a nut house. Well, in t- July of 2018, the Helsinki District Court, they reached a verdict. Justice has finally caught up with Michael Maria Pentilia. The attack was found to clearly be premeditated and carefully planned. She was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Finally, she now sits in her jail cell and she's allowed to dress up in her levers, lusting for just like she just wants one last ne- neck to grip. What the fuck? So they give them keyboards, give them a guitar, give them video games, and you're allowed to wear your leathers in prison? Yeah. What what about the orange jumpsuits? There's an amazing picture of Maria when she's in her full leather garb in her little cell. And it looks like she's in student halls. (laughs) I just don't get it. I mean, I I personally, I think they should bring back the old school black and white ones. Oh, I like the black and white ones. Very iconic. So look, not all men are criminals. Not all men who identify as trans women are criminals. However, it is important to note that men, regardless of gender identity, uh, phenotype or origin, have a higher rate of criminality and pattern of violence and sex crimes than women, which is why 93% or more of convicted prison inmates in any nation you look at around the globe are male. Studies show men who identify as trans women do not have a lower crime rate than than any other men. In 2018, the Ministry of Justice released statistics showing half of the people in prison who declare themselves transgender have been sentenced with one or more sexual offenses. These MOJ statistics show that transgender women exhibit a male-type pattern of criminality. So trans women in prison exhibit a propensity to sexual crime that matches their birth sex and not their gender identity. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, while they... I guess on the outside appear more feminine. They're you, not. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I still think they're genetically they're still male. So if you have these impulses as a man, you're still going to have, have them, them as a trans woman. 
So like a leopard can change their spots, but sometimes mother nature really does have the last laugh or the last strangle, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> you know, I was after reading a couple articles because, you know, we usually pick a topic that's interesting. Uh, Kate does a lot of research on it. And then I usually do my own research after looking into it. Um, I didn't know about either one of these killers. But um, after reading about them, I just became fascinated with these online debates over the killer's pronouns in Wikipedia. Yeah, this is how I discovered both of them. And this is also not a hill I would ever die on. Like, he, she, dead naming them. Fuck them. They're murderers. Well, so I read all these articles where people are going in and just their outrage that someone would edit the Wikipedia and make Wolfgang Schmidt now is Bet Schmidt. Right. And I'll yeah. change every single pronoun from he to she. And then another person came over and then edited it back to being Wolfgang. <laughs> so they went back and forth on both of these guys, Yuka and uh, uh, Wolfgang. Yeah. And so, and then there are all these comments like, a serial murder has zero rights. Stop with the pathetic gender crap. He is not a she. <laughs> Read one of the comments. And then another comment can be seen in the edit history depicting this back and forth exchange over misgendering right. these serial murderers. With one editor stating, this person was born a male. Humans cannot change sex. So it became this big like... Debate. Yeah, debate over transgendered serial killers. And so in July of 2019, the category on Wikipedia labeled transgender serial killers was deleted by Wikipedia editors. However, a category does exist for female serial killers. And Yuka Pantilla is one of the entries in the section regarding Finnish criminals. So he's regarded as a female serial killer, not a male serial killer. And the only one in Finland. Yeah. And on the Wikipedia page dedicated to Wolfgang Schmidt and his history, several users have made edits sympathetic to his identity as a trans woman. So one guy named Greyjoy removed the entry on Schmidt from the category male serial killers and then classified him under the label female serial killers. And then other users started changing his pronouns and calling him that they were deadnaming him and misgendering him. And then another user came and changed them all back. I mean, if there's anyone that you can deadname and misgender, I think it's pricks like these two. Well, what I don't get is, don't these fucking Wikipedia editors have better things to do with their fucking time? Like, maybe make a podcast about transgender serial killers. That will upset some people <laughs> and they'll say we're being transphobic. But, you know, these two are dickheads. But as it stands right now, if you did a search, Wolfgang's Wikipedia is listed under Bet Schmidt. Yes. Not Wolfgang. And Yuka is listed under Michael Maria Pentilla. Let's wait and see on it. It will yeah. all change by next week. I'm going to change it all to it. <laughs> see what happens. I like it. They, them. <laughs> People, this is episode 920 here. Sick and wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a quick word from Adam and Eve. Oh. 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 Oh, I'm so sorry. I was just pleasuring myself to your podcast. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. Want to add some spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com and you'll get 50% off your purchase. Free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, I cannot even mention it on this podcast. 
just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. Love you, boys. Now I'm going to go back to having some fun. Oh. So we have a couple phone calls to get to. Driver called in, actually. Nice. Yeah. Um, I've been, you know, I've been building out a backlog of phone calls, so I appreciate everybody sending those in. Just give us a call, 323-522-4032. You know, whatever you want to talk about. I know I I do, I am enjoying all these, like, dating nightmare stories that we're getting from from a few people, like Driver's story that's coming up. Uh, but yeah, give us a call, or you can send us a, a, just an email with a, a attached an MP3 to sickgroundpodcast at gmail.com. So here's Driver with a story about him meeting an SP. Yo, sick and on. This is a Driver. Um, just calling in. I've been uh, meeting a call about this story. I just know how to word it, I guess. We'll see. Um, this was back in my hoeing days when uh, anybody could have a piece, even the Swede. And, uh, <laughs> they have there's a bromance on oh, the Discord. Wait, there's a bromance with yeah, the Swede. Um, Gino, the Swede, and the driver. I think are all in like a kind of fruple relationship. It's like a love triangle going on there. Yeah, I would also like to say thank you to the Swede because uh, he's like organized this like film club on the Discord. So you can they all watch films together. Uh, I haven't had a chance. I think last time they watched Alien and now it's Aliens and we can all vote for the movie. Well, I don't get it. Do you watch it together in a group? Yes, like you're watching on it at the, the same time. How do they stream it onto Discord? I don't know how the Swede sets it up. I mean, he's like a, a technical wizard. So like, thank you, the Swede, for doing that. And so they all get together and they watch films. They watch together. Films. I will try and catch one at one point. Um, huh. so okay. I might go for Aliens because I do really like Aliens. Are there any Swedish films being played? I don't know. We all vote on the films. Yeah. Well, see, it's a community it over is. there on the Discord. That's why you got to get on Patreon. I've always always had a thing for her, and uh, she finally was talking to me. So I decided, you know, go over to her house and see what's going on and whatnot. So uh, she sends me the address, and I drive up. It's a trailer park, so I'm like, all right. I mean, I ain't too worried about it, you know. He's like, I'm going to get laid tonight in the trailer park. As I say, he's he's Texan, so it's probably it probably happens a lot. Can't you get really fancy trailers? Like, no. Are they always minging? They're not minging, but they're just like mobile homes. They're like double-wide trailers. How fancy could it be? I mean, the reason I say this is because in Britain, there's like different types of static caravans. And I mean, some of the static caravans you can get are like six bedrooms. That's like what gypsies live in. They live in huge static caravans. And like they're kind of mini mansions. So can you not get like even the Airstream trailers from the 50s are fucking they were they're worth like 20 grand. Yeah, but it's not a house. No, like, but if nice you want to live if you want to live little, then I get it. I suppose. I mean, I guess you could travel with your home. <laughs> so I've been in worse places. Um so she ends up uh sneaking me in, I guess, cuz her dad is in the other side of the trailer park or Wow. Yeah, they're kind of uh, narrow and long. I don't. I'm not sure. Wait, wouldn't you feel the trailer rocking? 
<laughs> okay, I mean, that's From the risky. other side, my door is getting stopped. That is risky. But anyways, um, so we go to the we go to the bedroom, and uh, you know we start making out and whatnot, and it's it's like okay, you know things are are moving, and uh, in the pants. I was always told that you need to check it before you decide to do anything, move. I guess what any more steps forward. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm uh, what a taste test. I don't necessarily think a taste test, but like you, you should visually confirm. It's like you visually confirm your your target, don't you? What are you saying? Like visually confirming that that they don't have like a, that they're not a hermaphrodite or something? Just visually confirming that you know you can't see like any lice or crabs or like you know everything's present and correct and that it doesn't smell like stink or Jojo. Well, I would usually go down there for a feel to make sure everything's operable. You know, it's like <laughs> that, that feels normal. And uh, then you can kind of do the the smell test there. I mean, it's not like I'm sniffing my fingers, <laughs> but you would know if uh, there's well, something awry. Yes, Jojo, you think you would yeah. be able to smell. Putting my hands down there and whatnot, and, and I'm okay. She's ready. And then I <laughs> I pull up my hand, and I before it even reaches, like, waistline out of her shorts, just the smell. <clears throat> Steak or I don't know how to describe it. I guess JoJo would know. But uh <laughs> it ain't the best. Anyways, so I'm like, okay, let's just you know, I'm tired now. I don't even want to do anything. So we just like chill. I passed out in her bed. Oh wow. I think we were watching a movie or something. And then I get woken up. Hey, my dad's walking to the room, he need to go. <laughs> So I go out the back door, and as I'm leaving the back door... Wait, wait, wait. Did he end up shagging her? No. Just said he just passed out. It's a pretty bold move, though, to just, like, pass out in a chick you don't really know is bad. I wouldn't ever be that comfortable enough to do that. Yeah, I'm also surprised, too, that... She let you. Yeah, well, they're making out, they're getting hot and heavy, and then he's, like, all of a sudden, like... I'm tired. Complete 180. I'm tired. I got to go to bed. Is he like dry heaving when he smells like <laughs> the fish factory? Like, I, I don't get what happened here. Yeah. As a woman, I'd be a bit like, this is fucking weird. But maybe he's just being sweet. You know, he wants to take things slow because he really likes me. Yeah. But would you have been offended if you brought a guy back from, from the pub or from the, the offy and you brought him back to your place, you're messing around. He puts his hands in your pants, fingers you a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got to go to bed. I would, I would definitely believe something was up with my vagina. But would you ask, like, why didn't you want to have sex? Or what would you do? Would you just let him go to sleep? Well, yeah, it would depend. It would definitely depend on the mood. Maybe she was like, okay, let's just watch a movie then. Maybe she was pretty chill about it. Maybe this isn't the first time it's happened to her. But, I mean, it's weird. Because like, it doesn't sound like he said, like, hey, I think you got something bacterial going on well, down there. JoJo the 10 times he'd shagged st- Stinkar. Well, yeah, JoJo actually sealed the deal. Like, he went through with he it. He went through with it multiple times. And, in fact, I think he, him and Stinkar were really going to have a good thing going until JoJo ruined it. Well, I mean, it's a unmistakable odor. I mean, I've experienced it, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I've ex- I remember experiencing it with a girl. We are going to have a threesome. And uh, with like one of her friends and I don't know what happened. Her friend kind of got all weirded out, left. And then it was just me and her. And I remember going down on her and 
I swear, it smelled like tuna diarrhea. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like, Don't it, put me off tuna. It's my favorite sandwich. It was like you you took some diarrhea and then mixed some tuna don't, in the diarrhea. No, don't, don't, like, don't. <laughs> that's what it smelled don't, like. What am I meant to eat as a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I remember just going down there and then going right back up. I still had sex with her. Well, see, this is men though, because I've certainly told men that they have to wash, go and wash their dicks in the sink. <laughs> The fact that you told them to do that, but still went ahead with it. Well, yeah, because if a guy's getting laid, he will do anything to get laid. And they'll go and be like, all right, I'll just go wash my dick in the sink. I'll be like, we've been out all night. Your dick stinks. Go and wash it in the sink. And they I just, do. I just didn't go down to Brown Town. I just stayed up on the top level and it was fine. Even but she though, could have had anything. Well, you know what was weird, though? Because I did wear a condom. And I remember like, even then, my dick still smelled. Like it smelled for a couple of days and I showered, I showered, I scrubbed it, you know, I, I sprayed it with cologne. It still smelled for a couple of days. The things men do with their dicks that they profess to love more than life itself. Like I would never stick my dick in such a shanty town. I, mean, I was drunk. I knew better than to like, you know, and didn't like hold my nose and eat her out. <laughs> That's some bad BV though. I do wonder why ladies get because it's pretty obvious when you have like BV. It's like fucking super obvious. And beyond that, it's also obvious because you do leave like the cottage cheese in your panties. It's like a it's like a very thick cottage cheese discharge. I, These women are all experiencing it, dude. They they are ruining panties because you can't get those stains out of your panties unless you use like some form of bleach. I mean, you can hear the the JoJo horror story with Stinkor on the Patreon, uh, but he he said he could smell it through the panties. He, like, he said he went, even before he took a pants yeah, down, he could smell it. So I mean, that's a it's a very strong odor. And how yeah, this, this is what I mean, though. How did these women just not be like, I've got a gnarly case of BV. I need to go and get this fucking sorted. Because like, it just takes some antibiotics cleared up. I don't know how you wouldn't realize that your pussy smelled like tuna diarrhea. It no, does, makes no sense. You do know. You know by your fucking discharge that's <laughs> well, then, coming out of you. Well, then why are you having sex with dudes rather than taking care of the situation? Some women are fucking selfish cunts, man. Minging. I would never do that Minging. if I was having cottage cheese discharge. Yeah. Fucking see her dad, big ass white dude, come come out the front door, just staring at me the whole time, like wearing a so, cowboy hat. Anyway, I jump in my car. You know, I was a little shit. Anyways, jump in my car and I head over to my buddy's house where I was staying at the time. And uh, I'm like, damn, if only it didn't smell like a jar of like chum. Chum. <laughs> it would have been a little better, but. Anyways, I get to the house, and I'm like, all right, let me let me wash my hands, you know, because this shit's done. And I'm washing, and this shit don't come off. See, it doesn't See? come off. It's it's it, The odor is clingy. Yo, driver, sorry. Part two. I'm taking a little too long. Let me, let me hurry up. But yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to wash my hands, and that shit won't get off. And I, <laughs> I didn't even have long nails or anything. I don't know oh. if JoJo has been like that, where the shit's like... <laughs> The bog of eternal stench on your fucking hands and fingers, and what, whatever. The bog but, uh, of eternal stench. I like that. I'm I'm trying to fucking wash it. Ain't, ain't happening. <laughs> I think it took like a couple days before I started to try to fade. I just kept my hands away from me. <laughs> Why you vinegar, mate? Oh my god. Uh, anyway, she's got a good nickname. It's SP. Uh, thank you, pussy. Um, <laughs> SP. I don't know. Anytime I hear anybody spell out the word 
anywhere to have the two letters S and P next to each other, anything like that, is just automatic. Like, oh, just it's just the smell just hits me. I'm just like, fuck. It's like associated but, uh, odor, yeah. right? So I guess uh, I don't know. Is that that's the only time that's happened, and I guess the last time. But uh, is that normal? I guess. B, have you ever came across anything like that? I know your uh, buddy Jojo has, um, and I guess any listeners, guys <laughs> or girls, any uh, issues like that where it just wasn't going the right way for the certain reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll hit you up later. Got some more stories, but, uh, y'all keep it sticking wrong. Um, we'll talk to you later, DNK. See you. Bye. Stanky pussy. Always love hearing from Driver. Um, he brings up a good point though. You know, I think every dude probably has had at least one encounter with a stinky pussy, but I would like to know from like a girl, either a bisexual or lesbian girl, how, how many times that's happened. And whether or not they said something. I had a mate who went on like a girl's holiday, uh, Helen, with her family. And uh, she got BV really badly from the pool. Like they just were putting so much fucking chlorine in the pool that it gave a BV. You'd think it would kill it. Well, no, it's Weird. like anything. Like the vagina is a tricky beast. Anything that upsets the, the yeast will spur on any number of complaints. It's a complicated Petri dish, that vagina. The vaginas are. You've just got to leave them alone, let them do their own thing, they're self-cleaning. But she got a really bad BV, and she knew it stank. She was sharing a room with her sister, Kath. (laughs) And Kath just was like, because they couldn't like open the windows because it was like a, a girl's holiday, you know. They were just trapped in this tiny. Yeah, why room. can't you open the windows on a girl's holiday? Because they're just trapped in this tiny fucking cheap ass room. Oh, okay. that you know you're only supposed to be passed didn't out. Open. Oh. Yeah, and uh, she was just like every morning. It was just like waking up and just smelling seafood, and it was her <laughs> sister. <laughs> They're obviously there on a lass's holiday, though. They're all young, and she knows she's got really bad BV. She can't do anything about it until she got back home. And she was super paranoid about it, but she slept with boys that whole trip. And dudes didn't even say anything. And no, no fucking because they're all wasted. That's the and they're power all like twenty. Of alcohol, right power there. of pussy as well. Yeah. But it, she was just like it was the grossest smell every day, and uh, you know you can get those like feminine wipes. I can't remember what they're called. They have a funny name in Britain, and they're like a vagina wipe. She was just going down to like the local uh, pharmacy, and she would buy like five packs of them to just try and cover up the smell of the BV. But it wasn't God, happening. Why not spray some perfume up there or something? Well, that's even worse. God, you can't be spraying know. perfume on your Spray vagina. Spray some right guard on something. Like, Jesus. <laughs> you can't be spraying anything Well, I would go vagina. around having sex. Oh, no, well, she's on a lass's holiday. You're all 20. You're never going to be would, going back there. Why the fuck not? If you're with your uh, your your fellow hens and you're on a hen do, would you say something? Would you say something to your mates? Like, hey, it kind of smells a little stanky down there. Firstly, yes, I would. And secondly, it would never happen to me because never would I ever go on a hen do. I can't think of <laughs> anything worse. I've got to have sausage around or I will go nuts. There's got to be some sausage in this equation. Was not the goal of the hen do is to find some sausage? Well, maybe for the other hens, but you're not, you're getting married. If I was the one there and I was the one getting married, I'm not going to be going out to find sausage, see, am I? Because I'm getting married. One last time. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so anyway, give us a call. I want to hear some stories, some stink or stories, men or women. 
stinky pussy. And it doesn't have to be a woman's stinky pussy. It could be a man's, man's stinky junk. Yeah, I'm sure there are know? women out there who have also told men to go and wash their balls in the sink before they even come near your face. Like, I wonder how many women have like, you know, here's a funny story. I remember when I was in college, uh, University of Michigan, there's this really cool library. It's like the grad library. It's this massive library. And you can, I mean, it's like multiple floors. And when you go to the top, there's like these little study areas that you can kind of go in Banging and study rooms. and all that. Yeah, everybody shagged up there at the top or, you know, no one shagged like in between the rows of books, although you probably could have. But people go in those little study rooms and shag. So anyway, I, was, I don't remember who I was dating. I was dating some chick. And uh, we go up there uh, to shag. And like, I think I just met her maybe a couple weeks prior. And I remember I whipped my dick out. And it's just covered in like red splotches. It didn't smell. It's just covered in red splotches. And I was like, holy shit. And just the look on her face of just like revulsion. Horror. I'll I'd never like, I'm forget. Not, I'm not putting that in my mouth. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my God. Like I was freaked out. I was young. I was probably like 18. And so the next the next day, because it was at night, I went straight to the clinic because I have a clinic for students. And uh, it turns out I'm, I'm allergic, like really allergic to KY jelly. I've also heard people have uh, problems with KY jelly. I yeah. It's very I mean, like strong, isn't it? I mean, I thought I had AIDS or something, but it's like, <laughs> they were like, no, you're fine. I mean, I got tested, like you're fine. It's just you're having a reaction to KY jelly. But why did you have the, so you'd already put the loop on your cock before you met her? No, I think we had shagged a couple, I mean, we're young, so I imagine she's probably kind of tight or something. I don't know. So you, what, you'd already shagged like the night before? Yeah, and I think I bought KY. Yeah, and, and like we used some, reaction. We used some and, I, and like the next day or two days later, I was having a full-on reaction to it. Right, sure. That I didn't even realize. I mean, I don't quite remember if it was itchy, but I do remember it was like, yeah, it just looked like these red splotches all over my cock. That's AIDS. It was a. I was. I was. That's what out. AIDS looks like. That's what Tom Hanks's penis looked like in the movie Philadelphia. Remember when he's on the court stand at the end of Philadelphia, and they say to him, "We need to see your penis so we can like affirm that you've actually really got the AIDS." And he just whacks out his Tom Hanks dick at the end of Philadelphia. You remember the scene? Because I do. Because I love Tom Hanks. Barely, but I do remember that was one of the best comedies of that year. Well, best comedy, yeah. and like, yeah, and that's exactly what Hilarious. his AIDS dick looked like. Anyway, people, give us a call, 323-522-4032. Thanks, everybody, who supported us on Patreon and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate you helping us keep it slinking wrong every week. Uh, also, we got some uh, some merch. If you want to buy some sick and wrong merch, if the spirit's moving you to get a sick and wrong tea, just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Get yourself some merch. And finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. Kate and I went to a really cool show. On a Wednesday. That was definitely better than what I expected it to be. Yeah, it was so good. We saw uh, the band Coven and uh, eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eared listeners, I guess. might recall that Harris and I interviewed Jinx Dawson from the band Coven on episode 505, like years ago. That's in the Wayback Machine. Yeah, Wayback Machine. Um, but Coven was this, like, I would say one of the first real occult rock bands. 
you know, yeah, from that era. Like, but still very poppy. I think she's very Grace Slick. Like, imagine if Grace Slick sang about Satan. Yeah, That's I think, Jinx. yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah. a lot of the bands kind of sound the same, but yeah, Jinx Dawson was singing about like Satan and doing Black Sabbath on stage. Yeah, which are really funny. <laughs> yeah, like she had a full on black mask, like pulled like this goth chick from the audience, laid her down on the table and like, Got like a crucifix and made it upside down. She's like, you will break this for Satan. It was really like, cool. <laughs> it was amazing. I, but she was cool. We talk about it in the second show, but she was rad. Like she, for being a woman that's like, what, 73, 74? I would say that. Yeah, she was so cool. I mean, she looked great. Yeah. She like she, sounded great. She had a, just, she was funny. She was, yeah, cracking jokes. And she'd also surrounded herself with an, an yeah, ensemble really backing band of really hot young backing <laughs> band. Like all of them were sexy in some way. But I think one of the best songs she did was a song, Wicked Woman, off their uh, 1969 LP, Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reaps Souls. Uh, one interesting thing about this band, I think they would have been a lot bigger had the you know the Manson family murders not taken place because they kind of got a little canceled after that. They definitely <laughs> did, sadly. Yeah, because everybody had the satanic panic, and here you go with this this band that's coming out. Um, but anyway, we I remember when we interviewed her because she was great. Like she was talking about all the rockers she shagged, including Jim Morrison. Um, I bet yeah, that was sloppy. She was just she was talking about speaking that. of stinky dicks. Here's Jim Morrison. But what was interesting, and Harrison and I used to argue about this. He feels that there wouldn't have been a Black Sabbath if there was no Coven. Fuck off. Which I yeah I I kind of I would disagree with that. But there are some weird coincidences. Like one, Oz Osborne. you know, Oz Osborne was the guitarist of Coven, and that was like you know a couple of years before but Sabbath. Ozzy's always been called Ozzy. Ever since he was a kid, because it's his last name. Isn't his name, is his name John Osborne, Paul Osborne? I think it's John Osborne, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was, my dad knew him as Ozzy. He didn't yeah, ever call I mean, him by his, his name. He was Ozzy Osborne. And Witchcraft Destroys Minds and Reap Souls has a song called Black Sabbath. Now, I don't know. I think there's coincidences. I think a lot of bands, like the occult thing was such a big thing at the time. But it was everywhere. And but, like, you're also forgetting Britain is pagan country. Like, there's no paganism in America the way there is in Britain. So if you're going to have a satanic band happen, it's going to happen in Britain well, first. The fact of the matter is, the music is completely different. different. Completely yeah. different. Black it's Sabbath a, are heavy as fuck. I don't know. Harrison and I used to argue about this a bit. But I would I have argued with I love both bands. Yeah. I love both bands. Uh, but... Um, my favorite record by them is Blood on the Snow, which is their third record that came out in 1974. And to your point, much poppier. I love like it's pop more songs. just like pop rock. And and when we saw them, they only did a couple songs from that album. But most of the songs came from Witchcraft, Destroys Minds, and Reap Souls. And I would say the highlight was when they did Wicked Woman with the chorus, Chop, 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 chop. which I'm going to dedicate to both of the trans serial killers that we just talked about. Yeah, because they want to chop, chop, they chop, chop, chop off chop. their dicks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we'll be back next week uh, with episode 921. Till then, take it sleazy.
since I met Rose, I, I want to look young for her. So I have been dyeing my hair, and it irritates my scalp. So I found out that mayonnaise makes it smoother and less dry. I'm self-conscious of my physical appearance because Rose is 31 years younger than me. I smell like an egg salad sandwich, but it really, really works. I just want to look young for Rose. 